The Papua New Guinea government announced earlier this month that it plans to make identification or ID cards mandatory for residents in major urban areas. This move follows recent violence at Koki in Port Moresby. Prime Minister James Marape said every person living in those cities would have to carry one of these ID cards. Don Wiseman spoke with our PNG correspondent Scott Wide about the suggestion. The PNG government announced last week that one of its means by which you might control or would try to control violence in the urban areas is to ensure that everyone has an identity card. The thing about PNG is that ID cards, well, they've been in force in places, haven't they, for some time? Yes. So they were brought in for what reason? I think for various reasons, and one of one of the biggest reasons was so that the government could keep better track of population, health statistics, and everything related to it. The problem with that is that the system that was put in place to assist people, you know, facilitate that production of national ID card, hasn't really worked for many people. There are hundreds, thousands of people who still haven't received national ID ID. Cards. And that's been one of the biggest frustrations amongst many Papua New Guineans who have applied. They're still waiting for their ID card. For example, my, my ID card took me at least two years to process. And we applied as part of a, a part of a company. So imagine if it took two years for me, there are others who, who have waited like three, four years and still haven't received the ID card. So it's a, it, it's a problem that still hasn't been solved. Uh, and the government's gone ahead and issued these directives to have public servants compulsorily given uh, or apply and be given NID cards when the system doesn't actually work for them. Yeah, in fact, they're talking about everyone, aren't they? Not just public servants. Everyone is to have these cards. And it was their way of, well, it was the part of the government's reaction after the violence in the Koki settlement area last week. It's not going to solve that, is it? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's definitely not going to solve it in the short term. It's not going to solve it in the short term. It, it may be a solution in the long term, you know, keeping track of people coming in and seeing where they end up, keeping tabs of where they come from. And that provides, you know, insight into the migration of people into urban centers and migration of people into rural centers or if they relocate. And, you know, the, the other problem with that is that people get registered for NIDs in, in say, Western Highlands and then move to Port Moresby. Their, their statistics are registered in the Western Highlands. So you've got this ongoing movement of people. People don't live in one place. And many who migrate from rural areas end up in in Port Moresby and then maybe go back to their villages again. And their statistics are in Port Moresby. So you've got that scenario that doesn't really work for a country trying to keep tabs on people and making sure that, you know, the health statistics correspond with the services that are provided and policing services are are delivered to a a certain number of people. So all that put together is, is, is a very different situation. The Prime Minister very clearly wants to target the settlements. He said in his statement the other day that if people don't behave or if they're not carrying once they've issued these cards, if they're not carrying these cards, they'll be sent back to their home province. How will that go down? 
In, in reality, it'll be a difficult exercise. I mean, if the government is going to take responsibility to compel people to go back to their home provinces because they don't have an NID card, it hasn't worked in some locations. For example, there was a, this is totally unrelated to the NID situation, but just, just an example of when you try to relocate people. We had the Sepik settlers who've been there for over 50, 60 years in, in Bulolo who were who clashed with local people. And the government, the district government, assisted them to go back to East Sepik. They came back. It, it hasn't worked for them. So you've got people in Port Moresby, Lay, Mount Hagen, who've lived there for generations. You know, their grandparents came to the cities and they, so the, the third, fourth generation urban kids who've grown up here. Having them trying to force them to go back to their parents' place of origin will be really difficult. They have no connection. It's a challenge for a country in transition trying to manage all the different ethnicities that live in a city, trying to manage that, that transition from a village-type community to an urbanized community and, and ironing out those differences. That's the challenge that we, we face. The government, it would seem, has got to bite the bullet, find land on which to build houses to accommodate these people who are in these shanty towns and try and provide services for them and so on. That seems to be what they should be doing. Do you think there's any chance of them doing that? Yes, there are ongoing land reforms that are happening. Um, not as fast as it should happen, but there are, there are ongoing land reforms that are happening. Now, the resistance is largely with customary landowners who are not readily willing to give up their land, and, and rightfully so, because over the years, land management has proven to be very difficult in Papua New Guinea. There's been a lot of corruption in the lands department over the last three, four decades. We're just starting to try to fix those issues now. And harnessing the land is the first thing and then creating planned settlement and maintaining that trajectory with the appropriate political will. And when I say political will, you already understand that it's quite difficult to sustain a political rhetoric and turn that into action in Papua New Guinea. So it's a pretty difficult situation.